0: Noble Experiment, by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 3, The Obsessed Reporter and the Battered Little Girl. Half an hour later, Brady, the evening paper under his arm, got out of the sputtering ford and walked toward his motel room. He pulled the key from his pocket and stopped. He listened carefully to the sounds inside the room. Ducking quickly, he crawled under the window and precariously nudged his head up to the crack between the draperies. Damn, he yelled as he peered inside the room. He stood up and repeated his comment. Damn. Unlocking the door, he burst into the room. The little girl from the racetrack lay on one of the beds and was listening to a radio. When Brady entered the room, she leaped up from the bed, terrified as she backed into the corner. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I had to come here, she said as she cried. Brady walked slowly over to the panicky girl. My God. My God. He said as he knelt down beside and lifted her golden hair off her forehead. She had been injured since the time she had left with her parents at the racetrack. Her right eye was covered with an egg-like bruise and her right nostril caked with blood. He took her in his arms and lifted her upward. Hugging her tightly, he brought her into the bathroom and sat her on the cabinet sink. Although she was still weeping, he managed to convince her that everything would be all right. He wiped the blood away and put a cold cloth above her eyes. Now he wanted the answer to his suspicions. Who hit you? She pressed her lips together as she looked up at him. My father. For... For slipping away at the track. Here, said Brady, soaking another compress. Put this one on the welt. You know, I can't believe that some guy would strike a kid like you. What's your name, kid? I'm calling the cops. My name is Lorna, but please don't call the police. Lorna what? Don't call them, please. It's happened before. I'll end up back with them and I always do. Before? Yes. They're fine for a few weeks and then they start up again. Your mother too? Yes. Please let me stay with you. But kid, look, I wanna. I got problems of my own. Well, she said as she wept, just until I can think of something. Brady lifted her up again and brought her into the other room. He sat her down on the bed and knelt down beside her. How did you find me? the phone you mentioned the best western i stole the key from behind the desk you stole the key. okay look just sit there for one minute i have to check something in the paper he said as he went over to the other bed spreading out the newspaper he began skimming the articles my aunt lives in chicago huh he said looking up i said my aunt lives in chicago i don't know i i can't go transporting little kids around the country but she'll take me in She'll take me in. I know she will. Look, look, look. I won't bring you back to your parents, okay? Just let me think, he said as he looked back to the newspaper. What are you looking for, she asked as he turned the page. Nothing, kid, nothing. I can help. A murder. This afternoon, Indianapolis. A guy with money but no ID. 1.30 this afternoon. Now how do you know that, he asked, turning the page again. One thirty, witnessed by a man with very bad eyesight That's right, said Brady, reading the story I heard it on my radio Why do you care about this murder? She asked as the telephone rang It's complicated, kid, complicated He said, picking up the receiver Hello, Bill Brady Brady, this is David Todd I know I said I'd call you later David, what's the mystery? A guy with no identification, but with $3,000 What the hell's going on here? Harold Nolte. He worked in Boise, Schwartz's retail outlet. I don't know what he knew, but something is wrong here, Mr. Brady. I suspected things before, but not murder. But who? Who Who killed this Nolte guy? asked Brady as he stood. Was it Grunkle? Gunther? No, I, I was there. Part of Colin. Look, Nolte would have known. Lime went dead. Hello? Hello, cried Brady. David, David, he repeated, pulling out the card that David had given him. He dialed the number, but the line was riddled with high-pitched buzzing noises. Setting down the receiver, he turned to Lorna. What the hell happened to him? Did they pull the line? Yes, I'm afraid they did. This is a great one. Some guy named Harold Nolte. Is that what that David person told you? Right, 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 said Brady as he paced and thought. "'Harold Nulty. Harold Nulty worked in Schwartz's retailing outlet in Boise. "'Now what has that got to do with Von Grunkle? "'Are you going to Boise? Will you take me?' "'Boise, look, I don't even know what—' "'Brady's words were interrupted by a loud pounding of several fists on the outside door, "'shaking the room. "'His expressive face became placid as he faced the door and his eyes opened wide. "'My parents—' "'Her eyes filled with tears.' "'Get under the bed, kid!' "'As she scrambled under the rear bed, "'Brady rushed to the window "'and peered out the crack between the curtains. Two men in rather casual clothes "'and brandishing revolvers stood under the motel canopy. "'They looked familiar, but indistinguishable. "'Who is it?' "'Who is it?' "'Open his door, Brady, or I'll blow your head off!' "'answered a tough, authoritative voice on the other side. "'Brady could not bring himself to dispute the man's logic.' and he opened the door to the room. "'Remember us, huh?' said the voice, a man with dark, greasy hair, wide shoulders, and four inches higher than Brady. "'Yeah, you're Sidney Bishop's brother, Sal,' said Brady softly. "'Salvatore, you!' "'And this here's my friend Danny. "'He backs me up.' Brady tried to smile to the unsmiling, shorter man. We're here, Brady, on a little fact finding mission for Sydney. We're gonna ask you a few questions. Fire away, said Brady, quickly retracting. I mean I mean sure, sure. You know, I'll answer anything for you boys. Come on, have a seat, have a seat. We don't want no seat, look, Brady. You meet both know that you're Sydney. And you know you ain't got a red scent DNA. Well, I've got some, uh, I can try and raise some. Just give me the keys to that junk box out there, U.S. What, the Ford? I I, I don't understand. You don't have to understand. Just give me the keys, said Sal, raising his gun. Oh, sure, sure, said Brady, as he reached into his pocket and pulled out the keys. Good, said Sal, grabbing the keys. He handed them to Danny, who rushed out the door and into the parking lot. Cell closed the door and turned to Brady. I want to see that junk box in front of your apartment tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. Leave the trunk just barely open, then scram. A guy on a bike will come by and remove the contents. And just what are those contents, asked Brady. "Never you mind what the contents are, said Sal as he looked out the window. He turned back to Brady and thrust the revolver in his face. Don't get any bright ideas about looking inside the trunk, Brady. Just do as I say and you'll make yourself five grand. In other words, your debt will be down to $28,000. you are paying me 5000 bucks to drive to Chicago? That's right. You'll be there at 10. He said as he looked outside again. He stepped to the door, opened it, and went into the parking lot. Taking the key from his friend, he threw it back inside and slammed the door. Brady picked up the keys off the carpet and went to the window. He pulled back the curtains and watched them leaving the motel parking lot. Clearly, they had every intention of threatening him into action. It would give him an opportunity to relinquish his overwhelming debt. Driving to Chicago would not break any law, he thought, because he didn't know the contents of the trunk. And besides, all he did was give them the key. What happened after that was not his problem. You're not going, are you? "'asked Lorna as she crawled on her stomach. "'Seems risky to me.' "'Risky? "'Oh, why? "'I don't know nothing.' "'Boy, are you two-faced,' she chided. 2 faced "'I heard what you're doing with Von Grunkle. "'I heard you on the phone. "'You're trying to nail him. "'You say he's crooked.' "'Well, he is crooked,' argued Brady. "'Wrong. "'He can do wrong, and there are no excuses. "'You do wrong, and you have a thousand excuses.' "'Well, I don't have any choice. Do you realize what happens if I don't comply with that gorilla that was just in here? I have to do it for my own survival.' "'No, you don't,' she said emphatically. "'Go to Bishop. Arrange some kind of payment schedule,' she said as he laughed. "'You're not stupid. If you weren't so lazy and put your mind to this, you might find an answer.' You just want the easy way out. Don't think about it. Just do what they want and... Well, that's right, yeah. Well, no questions asked. They didn't ask anything of me when they lent me the money. Don't you see where this is leading? Just like your gambling. I heard you talk about that too. You need to keep betting to get your money back when all you need to do is make other deals. Who made you so smart? I bet because I like the excitement. Exactly. You can't get any excitement from a bank loan, can you, Brady? A working off the debt. What the hell do you know, kid? What are you, some kind of child prodigy? As a matter of fact, I am. Why, oh, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. I understand more than you think, she said as he sat in front of the bed and lowered his head. No, no, you really don't understand, kid, he said softly. I'm on the verge of losing my mind, he said, putting his head in his hands. Sure, I would be, too, if I were you. No, I've been having... I don't know why I'm you this. I've been having blackouts. You mean like at the track, your heart. You need to see a doctor. You've got all the answers, Miss Child prodigy, don't you? Every damn thing there is to know, and you know it. Just trying to help you, Brady. Why do you think you blacked out? I don't know. It's weird. Crazy, he said, shaking his head. No, go ahead. I'm listening, she said as she sat across from him. All right. I pass out, and by God, I'm floating up over my body. Over your body? Over my body. See, the whole place then becomes saturated with this bright, twinkling green light, he said as he clenched his fists and spread his arms out. Then I'm shot away from wherever I am. I see the place disappear like I'm on a train pulling away from the station. And then? Oh, what then? (laughs) You wouldn't believe me. Sounds like you're trying to escape from your problems. Oh, really? Who knows? It happened twice, and each time I end up on a horse in the middle of the desert, leading a wagon train through the night, a boy comes up to me or to him or whoever picks up right from the end of the first blackout, word for word. Well, you did just bet on the horses, she observed. You're a pretty smart kid for a prodigy. But nevertheless, I'm losing my mind. I know it, I know it, I've snapped. No, no, you just have to get rid of your pressures. Oh, you're probably right, kid. All the more reason to do what Sal says and get it over with. But? No buts. I'm driving home tomorrow to Chicago. I'll drop you off at your aunt's house, and then I'm going off to Boise. Brady and Lorna were on the road by 6 o'clock. The obsessed reporter and the battered little girl. Brady pushed the Ford to its top speed of 50 miles an hour. Anything over 50 in the car's rusted body would begin shaking violently. Lorna had fallen asleep almost immediately as they drove through the Indiana countryside, past cornfields, still fresh with dew in the early morning sunlight. He looked at the sleeping girl, her long blonde hair strung around her head, and a swollen brow now a blue bruise. For the past few hours she had provided a solace for him to stem the tide of his overflowing emotions. He was watching her when she opened her blue eyes and winced from the bruise. She stretched and inhaled the clean country air. "'Well, it's about time you woke up there, sleepyhead,' said Brady. "'What time is it?' "'Almost eight. I stopped in Indianapolis.' "'You did? When?' "'About two hours ago, kid. You slept right through.' "'I did?' she asked as she stretched again. "'Sure you did. I went to the police station to see where the murder took place.' "'And?' "'You know that guy who witnessed the murder?' he began. "'Right, the guy with the thick glasses.' "'Yeah, right, right.' "'He's blind as a bat, the police still don't know who the murdered guy was. "'But you do, and I know where he worked. "'They don't know that either. "'But that money he had on him really bothers me. you should be so lucky, Brady.' "'Oh, ha, ha,' said Brady, returning the smile as he drove along. "'I'm flying out to Boise as soon as this Chicago thing is over with.' "'Where are you going to get the money?' she asked, raising her bruised brow. "'My editor, Tom Jackson.' "'Now how do you know that? What are you, a sponge? "'You heard everything I said on the phone. You're more like an eavesdropper.' "'I was just, just listening.' "'Eavesdropping,' said Brady, as if he had scored a point. "'Never mind that. I suppose you didn't tell the authorities about David Todd.' "'Hey, kid, look. Leave the investigating to me. It's what I get paid for. Sometimes.' I told them about David Todd, they'd know I was looking into this, and so would Von Grunkle. Maybe Grunkle had something to do with this, maybe not. But that guy Nolte wasn't killed because of his looks. I think he knew something, and he could have been blackmailing them. Or he just had money in his wallet, she argued. Nah, very unlikely, Lorna Doon, he smiled. But it's because of the unanswered questions that I have to go out to Boise. What about Todd? they kill him or what? Oh, that's a good question, and you can help me answer that. Me? Yes, you. Grunkle is speaking in Frankfurt, Kentucky tonight. I have the number of the hotel. I want you to call and ask for David Todd. And if he's not there, she asked, then he's probably dead. Join us next week as a noble experiment by Robert P. Fitton continues. This has been a production of Fitton Theatre of the Worlds.